Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome, everybody, to this week's exciting episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got a, a book dive Ooh. of a sort. Okay. Only I don't have the book. Righto. And if I did have the book, I wouldn't be able to read it. Ah, I see. Is it written in Swahili? Uh, it's written... Uh, well, we'll cover that. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually um, one of the most mysterious objects in the world. It's kind of... Um, ah. It's kind of one of like one of those uh, the, those artifacts that kind of are, make history a little bit wrong. <laughs> right? Yeah, I love those artifacts. <laughs> They're the best kind. Yeah, <laughs> rewrite history. Exactly. Yeah, and, and and this is one. It's called the Voynich Manuscript or Voynich Manuscript. I always pronounce it Voynich. I don't know, but it's sort of a, a Germany sort of name, isn't it? Or Polish, I think. Oh. Uh, the book is. Greater than 600 years old. Wow. Okay. No, no one knows exactly how old it is or who wrote it or in what language. I've got a question already. Go for it. For it to last 600 plus years, what is it made out of? Vellum. <laughs> what is that? Vellum is like a, an old school style writing paper that they made uh, using calf skin. Ah, so my brain thought leather, but I thought that might... Yeah, sort of like leather, yeah. I was thinking that might just be the outside of the book. Um, I don't really know what the the outside of the book is bound in, to be honest. It it, it looks kind of like leather, yeah, from what I've seen of it. This is mysterious. Uh, It resides these days at the Benecki Rare Book and Manuscript Library. Um... And like I say, we don't actually know who wrote it, what it's about, or what language it's written in. Mm-hmm. No one in the, its entire 600-year history has been able to read this book or decode it or understand it in any way. Okay? Like I said, it's, it's written on vellum, around about 240 pages of it. Okay. And it is divided up into sections as far as we can make out. Uh, those 
sections are botanical. Okay, like gardens. And, yeah, gardens yeah. and plants and stuff. Astrological. Okay. Cosmological. There's a difference. <laughs> you got into my head there. Straight away, my brain went, hang on, that's the same thing. No, no, As- astrological is star signs. Okay, yeah. And cosmological is like your stars and planets and how they all interact with each other. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Uh, then it's got a pharmaceutical section. Oh, maybe like Chinese medicine kind of thing. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Old old remedies and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's got uh, recipes for food. <laughs> you had me at food. <laughs> I did, and uh, this one I've left to last because I'm not entirely sure what it is myself. It's balneological, uh, which in my research said medicinal springs. Which I'm thinking is probably something like, you know, the old uh, Fountain of Youth or something like that. I'm not entirely oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, balneological, that is called. Um, and like, like I say, that is our best guess at what it's, um, what are the chapters, I suppose, are about. Yeah. yeah, sections of the book. But like I say, you can't actually read it because it, it's written in this very methodically written language. And uh, it kind of almost looks like a mixture between the English alphabet and Hebrew. Okay, lots quite, of swirls. Yeah, lots of swirls and stuff. But like, you can see that there are sentence structures and you know words made out of its own alphabet. Mm-hmm. But no one has been able to decode this alphabet or figure out how the language works. Interesting. It's also illustrated... Oh, pictures to go with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, to be fair, the pictures aren't great. They kind of look like someone's given some box of crayons to a five-year-old and said, no, yeah, illustrate that book for me. Okay. Right. They're not great. But it does have illustrations of plants and animals. <laughs> the thing is, the plants don't look like anything that we see here on Earth. Mm. And the animals, you can't really identify many of them because they look like they've been drawn by a five-year-old. So you know what I mean? When you, when you get a five-year-old to draw a horse and it just looks like a sausage with four little stick legs, yeah, yeah. that's the kind of illustrations that this book has. It even shows, I'm sure on one page, I did see a mermaid on there. Nice. Which you didn't pick up on your mermaid episode. No, I didn't. <laughs> it's got astrological diagrams. Uh, like I said, the star signs and that Are sort of thing. Are they accurate, those ones? I don't know. Oh, I, I keep forgetting no one knows. I, yeah, I don't know. Because um, we, we, we just don't know what background this book comes from. Yeah, It's so frustrating because already I have questions, but there's no answers. And, and there are some strange maps that some people have tried to theorise that it could be parts of Europe. Okay. But... No, none of these maps have actually been positively identified as, you know, anywhere on this world. Wow! So it's it's a very very strange book. It's oh, interesting because and, even if you had uh, a map, like if if you had a pirate, mm-hmm. that, not you, but an actual pirate. You know, they you used saying to I'm have, not an actual pirate. No, you are an actual pirate, <laughs> but a different pirate. So. Back in the day, they would have had maps with an X, wouldn't they? Treasure maps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you had those these days, you wouldn't necessarily be able to pinpoint 
that treasure anyway. So the, a map in this book that is mysterious is the same as any other map, it's, isn't it? It's useless. Yeah. It's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is... I knew what I meant in my head then. Many, many theories about what this book could actually be portraying. Mm -hmm. Um, Some theories say that it could have been written by a a scientist that came up with his own form of, like, shorthand coded, you know, so all of his important discoveries and stuff would stay a secret. And they have stayed secret because, like I say, no one can figure out exactly what it says. And it it has gone through a lot, a lot of people... Mm -hmm. Trying to figure it out. In fact, we'll go through all of these people <laughs> right now. Okay. Okay, so the first known owner of the book, and it's uh, thought to have been still at least 200 years old at that point, was Rudolf II of the Holy Roman Empire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, and this is Rudolf. late 16th century. Okay, doke. Yeah. Uh, Rudolf was... Oh, yeah, uh, I did make a little note. Uh, He was of the Habsburg family. And do you remember a few weeks ago when we did uh, Sawney Bean and we were talking about how uh, inbreeding can affect Uh, your uh, general look? Mm -hmm. Uh, The Habsburgs were very bad for their inbreeding because they were royalty and they wanted to keep their bloodline as pure as possible. (laughs) Unfortunately, that meant that they were extremely ugly and they had chins like Desperate Dan. Right. Massive old chins. Well, they're called the Habsburgs. Habsburgs, yeah. Habsburgs. Wow. I wonder if there's any still around today. Uh, No, I think they all actually died out because the last Mm. member of the Habsburgs was so sickly. (laughs) I imagine. (laughs) After 14 generations of inbreeding, it was terrible. Yeah. Um, That's so weird. Uh, but yeah, uh, so Rudolf II, he he was the first known... Well, he's, there is a transaction for it, but I don't know where he bought it from. Okay. He bought the book for 600 Venetian ducats, or ducats. Okay. Right. Obviously, nowadays in Venice, they use euros, but yeah, back in the day, ducats were the, were the, were the currency. And 600 Venetian... Ducats was apparently worth around about two kilograms of solid gold. Wow, that's quite a lot. Now, that sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd say But so. the thing is, how much is gold actually worth? Do you know? I don't know. I don't really know either. The only thing with gold is there was that wave in the mid-2000s. Do you remember where they kept smelting everything yeah, down? Yeah, and they were yeah. like, give us your gold. But they were giving people like a tenner for a solid gold ring and things, and yeah. just melting it down. Well, I wasn't sure either just how much that is worth. Like six hundred ducats, two two kilograms of gold sounds quite heavy, mm-hmm. but it's nothing compared to an entire gold reserve, is it? So yeah, I thought, sure. well, I'll look it up. Two kilo two kilograms of gold today is worth. Around about one hundred thousand pounds. Oh wow! Okay, that's a lot higher than I thought you were going to say. <laughs> or one hundred and twenty thousand dollars, American dollars. Wow! I did not know this beforehand. No. I, you know, I didn't think gold. I know, obviously, gold is valuable, isn't it? But I mean, yeah, if you're just two kilos. Also, you can. I think it's mainly America, but you can 
go do gold panning. Can't yeah, you? yeah. You find you flakes of you gold. You can over in Wales. I think they do that still. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you just so, find little, little tiny little nuggets of it. But because of things like that, I always thought gold can't be worth that much like it used to be. That's kind of what I thought, yeah, because, like, I mean, oh. I know it comes in carrots, doesn't it, at, like, 18 and 24, and it depends on the purity, the yeah. purity of it. But, like, I always thought it's crazy how you can go to one shop and buy, like, a, a gold ring for, say, 50 quid, mm-hmm. and then you go to another shop and a, a ring that looks fairly similar is, like, 1,500 quid. Yeah, yeah. But I always put that down to like the diamonds or the you know the gemstones or whatever because I mean gold's got to be gold. But two kilo, I mean two kilos is a lot of gold and it's yeah. a, big, a big old slab. It's a hefty brick. But yeah, hundred thousand pounds in today's money—that's how much it would have cost him for this purchase, book. For this book, wow. and that—that's like I say, in something like fifteen eighty. Okay, so I, I don't. If it's already in your notes, I do apologise. Where does the name come from? Oh, we'll get to that. I'll get to that. Yeah, okay. we will get to that. So this is the first kind of recording of this being owned, this book? Yes. Right, okay, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, this is the, the, the its first sort of note in history of it being owned and stored. Okay. Was with Rudolf II, Holy Roman Emperor. He had a whole bunch of other titles as well, but I'm not going to list them all. Yeah. When he died in 1612... The book fell into the hands of Jacobus of Tippence. That's a cool name. Yeah, Jacobus. Yeah, okay. I would imagine in Italian or whatever, uh, it would be Jacobus de Tippence, but of Tippence is the English uh, translation for that. And his signature, where he wrote his name in the front of the book, can still be seen under UV light. Nice. Okay. This is confusing to me because his signature has disappeared over time mm-hmm. and he would have just been using standard ink that was available in those days. Yet the ink of the book is still readable. Although it's gone, it's browned a little bit. It's not oh. black. It's not true black. It's a little bit brown these days. I see what you're saying. You know what? How did his signature disappear when the, the rest of the script stays there and all the drawings and illustrations, which are in full colour? Mm. Could it be? Obviously, it may be different inks. There's a is a given. Yeah. But I mean, I'm going to sound really stupid here. I always thought growing up, not anymore, but I always thought growing up, all ink came from squids. <laughs> so <laughs> just then, my brain reverted back to like seven, and I thought, well, maybe the other guys using what the um, is it the the Hindu religion? That uses oh, the, oh, what's that called? Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> Not like a tattoo, but a temporary when they put the... Henna. Henna, that's it. So yeah, that yeah. dyes your skin for like yeah. weeks. So maybe the original people used something similar to that. Maybe. And then this guy wrote his signature in squid ink. <laughs> yeah. And then... Maybe, yeah. Yeah. That's squid ink just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't retain itself as long <laughs> yeah. on car skin. <laughs> well, anyway. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, after he... Uh, I, I don't know what when he died or when he gave up the book... But then it went on to a man named George Barish, who kept it for 20 years, trying to decode the book. Mm-hmm. He, like All of these people were basically obsessed with this book, trying to find out what, what I was secrets gonna ask. Were, were in its pages. What were the other two doing with the book? Yeah, they were but... literally yeah, just intrigued by it. I mean, he wouldn't have paid £100,000 worth of today's money to buy a book if he wasn't intrigued by it. But this Baresh, 
uh, George Barash, he kept it for 20 years trying to decode its secrets wow. and figure out what it was saying, and he couldn't. Couldn't figure it out. So through an unnamed friend, he uh, offloaded it to uh, Arth... Oh, I don't want to get this wrong there. Athanasius, Athanasius Kircher. Okay. Okay. Now, this was a guy who first became famous for uh, decoding the Egyptian hieroglyphs. Oh. Yeah, so he was an Egyptologist. Of, got a bit of credence to it. So they thought, ah, this guy knows how to crack foreign language, unknown languages. Mm-hmm. We give it to him. Unfortunately... He hadn't got a clue how to decode foreign languages, and they found out that what he'd actually decoded in Egypt was completely wrong. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no credence then. No. Okay. It's meant to be the first guy to figure it out. Really didn't. Oh, okay. So does, I'm hoping he doesn't get credit for decoding the Egyptian. Uh, no, I don't think he does. No. Okay. He, he, I think he gets credit for being the first guy to have a crack at it. Yeah. But he okay. didn't get it right, you know. Um, and he ended up putting the book into the library of the the Collegio Romano, which I guess is uh, (laughs) the University of Rome, where it remained for a further 200 years. Okay, that's a long time. Yeah, just gathering dust. Oh, yes, I was... Yeah, no no one's interested in it at this point. No one's trying to decode it at this point. No. It's Uh, It stayed there until another emperor, Victor Emmanuel II, invaded uh, and... Uh, an unnamed clerk uh, or, you know, a scholar mm-hmm. went into the, the into the university college, the library, and he, he uh, was trying to rescue some of the more rare and valuable books. And yeah. because of the age of this book, he put it on his, his little pile of books to save. Nice. And it, he, he took it to the La Villa Mondragoni. You've really set yourself up here. With some bad words, yeah. I don't speak Italian, so... (laughs) It's not really... I mean, it sounds good to me. Yeah, so, yeah. He took it to the La Villa Mondragoni, um, where it stayed for a further 46 years, until along came a guy called Wilfred Voynich. Voynich, however that's pronounced. And he rediscovered it, and it is now named after him. Right, okay. He spent pretty much all of his life trying to figure out this book. And he was an intelligent guy. And he was dedicated. He was dedicated. He spoke, apparently, no less than 18 languages. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) He was born in November 1865 uh, in a city of Telsia, in Poland, which was Poland at the time, nowadays it's uh, known as it's part of Lithuania, but at that time uh, it was part of the Russian Empire. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is before like the fall of the USSR and all that sort of thing. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, obviously, because he was of Polish descent, living in a Russian regime, mm. he kind of got involved with the wrong crowd. Uh, a crowd called the Proletaria, which was like a bunch of revolutionaries that landed him in prison, in fact, for what he was getting involved with in there. They were, you know, trying to overthrow the Russians, get their country back and all that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. He got involved in that. 
and the Russians sent him to a prison called Irkutsk in Siberia. Ooh, Siberia. Yeah, not a very nice place to go. <laughs> he had a five-year sentence. He escaped before the time was up. Oh so man, he was you know he was a, he was an intelligent guy. You know he managed to figure out how to escape prison. Yeah, but five years would you really risk it? Surely you'd just serve your time, wouldn't you? Josh, coming from the guy who wouldn't be able to last a week in prison, I, I wouldn't. Mean... <laughs> <laughs> I would think about the consequences afterwards if they caught you again. Oh, right, yeah, you're getting chucked back in there for even more time yeah, like, yeah. for the rest of your life or whatever. But no, fair play to him, a very smart guy. Well, he got away and he escaped. He managed to uh, hot-foot it to Germany, to Hamburg, where he managed to get on uh, some kind of transport over to London, where he decided to put all of that behind him, all his revolutionary stuff, you know, his bad ways, uh, his misdemeanors, he just put it all behind him, and he set himself up as an antiquarian bookseller. Okay, that's yeah. quite the so, path. It's, it's a niche market, but he'd got a good eye for it. Yeah. Uh, and, he, you know, he was good. He was an intelligent guy, and he, I think he, he started making a reasonable living for himself. Uh, and in 1912... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. He was uh, invited to visit the Villa Mondragoni, um, to buy books. Because at that time, the Villa Mondragoni was uh, held by uh, Jesuits, uh, you know, like religious Christians, mm-hmm. and they needed dollar. Right, okay. They were desperate. So they were flogging off absolutely any of their assets that they could get any money for. That's how he heard about it, and he was like, do you mind if I come and look at your rare books? Mm. They were like, yeah, knock yourself out. I don't mind. And he was quite happy to line their pockets to, to get hold of some of you know, nice pieces. Yep. Um, he bought 30 items that day. Possibly not just books, but at least the Voynich manuscript was on his pile when he walked out the door. I don't know how much he paid for it, but he was absolutely entranced by this book. And that was the start of his and that, path. And that's the start of the legacy of the Voynich Manuscript. Okay. Voynich, however that is pronounced. That is why it is now called Voynich Manuscript. He, he declared that he had discovered it. I mean, for everything he went through, like a Russian prison in Siberia and things, I, yeah, give it to him. Why not? <laughs> I think he's been through enough. <laughs> and he spent years trying to decode this book himself. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it. But it, it turned into an obsession. He got help in 
He got a couple of Williams involved. <laughs> All right, yeah, fair enough. The first one was William Newbold. Uh, he was he was a, a philosopher from Pennsylvania University, and he couldn't figure it out. He did, however, say that the book itself, the the writing in it, is nothing but uh, gibberish. Yeah. But he claimed that. Uh, when you closely looked under a magnifying glass at the actual ink itself, it had a strange pattern within it that he thought might hide some kind of code or cipher. Okay. But that turned out to be debunked as well. Years later, experts looked at it and found out that those strange markings were just the natural markings that ink makes as it because right. yeah. obviously well with your tattoos you know about ink migration over time you know yeah. it, it does and even on paper ink will slowly expand on paper mm. or vellum I suppose and whatnot. and yeah they just they decided that this guy this William Newbold was full of horse manure and uh, yeah that was just naturally what ink does so back to the drawing board back to the drawing board not to be discouraged, he found another William. This William was a little bit more famous. Okay. Uh, William F. Friedman. He was famous for decoding the Japanese cipher called Purple in the World War II. Okay. Which obviously helped, you know, win over the Japanese. Obviously, they, Pearl Harbor and all that sort of thing. This was all linked with that. And... After the war, the war, I think it was after the war, maybe during the war, uh, he put together a crack team of cryptologists, the best in the country, and they spent, I told you earlier, actually, four years, but it's actually 40 years. 40 years. 40 years trying to solve this book, trying to decode it and understand it, and at the end of it, he said, it's impossible. This wow. book cannot be solved. So the two willies couldn't get it done either? No. no. Okay. I'm stumped. <laughs> so... well, I mean, that's the thing. This is why there's been some wild theories about exactly what this language is. Like I say, it's a very methodically written one. And like I said, it looks kind of like a mismatch between English and Hebrew. Actually, Lord of the Rings. Yes. You know when the ring gets dropped into fire and it lights up with that weird swirly writing? Yeah. Right on the outside? That looks it looks a cool. lot like that. That looks super cool as well. Yeah. Yeah, look, that's, that's the closest that I, could, I can think yeah. of to what it actually looks like. Okay. Some people have called it a hoax. Yeah. Some people have... Uh, now, I know you don't go to church. No, no, I haven't been for a while. Have you ever seen on films or TV programs where these religious types say that God is speaking through them and they speak in something, they, they say they're speaking in tongues. Yes. And they're just going, <laughs> not really making any sense. Yeah. It's been theorised that the Voynich manuscript might actually be the written form of speaking in <laughs> tongues, which no one can decode because it's God's language, you know? Oh, see, I always assumed when people were talking in tongues, they were like kind of straight jacket, kind of mental. No, like, no. So, no, because no, um, like religious healers and stuff will um, speak in tongues when they're 
healing and I, stuff like that, weren't they? I got yeah. Yeah, no, I just... I, I have witnessed it, it when I was young at the mm. church that my parents took me to um, when I was little, uh, people speaking in tongues, and it always fascinated me. I was like, why do they do that? And they, my parents were like, oh, they're speaking in tongues. I'm like, yeah, but what is it? That's God speaking through them. I was mm. like, it just sounds like gibberish to me. Why can't God say something that actually, you know, we can understand? Mm. But they're saying it as if they're actually, like, t- speaking a language. Yeah. yeah. It is the oddest thing to witness, honestly. It really is. It is odd. Okay. But that is one of the theories, is that the, the Voynich manuscript is the written form of speaking in tongues. I mean, so far, that's probably the answer. It's, it's, a, pro- it's a pretty good theory, to be fair. So, hang on. So, has there ever been a term for the, the language of God other than speaking in tongues? I don't think so. No? Oh, Okay. Because I always assumed the language of God and things was like Latin. Um, probably because, like, obviously Vatican City is right at the top of Italy mm. and Latin derives from Italy, doesn't it? It's like a Roman oh, language yeah, yeah. and that sort of thing. And because the Romans just basically enveloped Christianity into their own religion um to create the the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And so everything was written in Latin and yeah, I, I guess a lot of people probably think that Latin is like the, yeah. the original god's language but but no, it's yeah. it, it, it's it's this whatever <laughs> the Voynich manuscript Tons. is written in. Is Some people have even claimed that it could have been written by aliens. Okay. Because the plants all you can't identify them. From anything that's here on Earth, I mean, all right, it's six hundred years ago that it was written, but I mean, plants don't change that much in six hundred years. Same with the animals; we don't know how to mm. identify them. There's lots of people um, in the illustrations as well, mostly naked women. Mm, hallelujah! Yeah, groups of them. Um, they don't look that pretty, though. No, <laughs> <laughs> they could all stand to go on a slim fast diet, and you know, they're, they're, like I say again, five-year-old with crayons type drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot, a lot of people have, have sort of said, "Well, must have been a hoax. Maybe Voynich himself has created all this history <laughs> about it." You know, Rudolf II and all that. Maybe he didn't actually, you know, and it's Voynich that actually produced this. But Voynich was. He was born in 1865, and most of his research was obviously in the early 1900s, because um, when did I say he went to... Uh, oh, 1912. Yes, oh, wow. after 1912. So in 1912, he would have had to have got over 240 sheets of 600-year-old vellum. Mm, yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, find okay. the ink for it. yeah. Write it, draw the drawings and everything. And this is the thing. We have radiocarbon dated the book to between 1404 and 1438. Okay. Yeah? Voynich obviously was the early 20th century. If he had recreated this book himself, if he'd made it as a hoax, mm. there would be imperfect. You know, the radiocarbon dating may not have worked. Stuff like that. Ink migration may not. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, you know, what you're saying yeah. There's all of these scientific things that we've discovered that how we can date mm. it and prove that it was genuine that he wouldn't have even known about it at the time. Yeah, and the Voynich manuscript gets every single one of them spot on. 
every time try, someone tries to prove it's a hoax, it just falls flat on their face because it is mm. perfection. Yeah, I was going to say, it, hoax and prank are very similar to me, and it's it wouldn't be a prank either because it's what we talked about before. It's like, why would you play a prank on someone that you're not going to see their reaction or anything? Yeah, yeah. You know, like you, he's dead and gone by the the time that we're all talking about it. So. Yeah. That's odd. I, I'm still like, liking the idea of tongues, though. I think that's really yeah. interesting. Well, that's yeah. the thing. Language experts have confirmed that it's like an authentic-looking language. You know, mm. it's it, it's got, like I say, an alphabet. It's got actually constructed words and variations. And you know, people who know language very well, they they actually have studied it and said, no, it has all of the hallmarks of a genuine language. We just can't figure out how to translate it. No one can. And in 2016, they decided to scan it and hand it to artificial intelligence. Well, surely they've got something. No. Nope. Nothing. AI could not <laughs> figure it out. So even robots. Even robots. That have their own language of zeros and yeah. ones. <laughs> couldn't even work this out either. No. it's uh, Like I say, this is one of the most perplexing mysteries on the planet and this artifact mm. should not exist oh man that's so mysterious that is the most mysterious thing you've ever brought to my attention and like i said i'd love to do a book dive on it but i wouldn't be able to read it anyway <laughs> <laughs> i'd love to have questions answered but we can't so. that, that's i mean th this is pretty much as much information as i've got on it um like i say if you want to go to what was it called the benecki Library of um, rare books and manuscripts. Where is that? <laughs> uh, not entirely. I think it's America now. Uh, oh, not okay. entirely sure which state it's in. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you can, I guess, book time to um, go and study it yourself. Uh, but it'll be under lock and key. It's a very valuable book, obviously, worth over £100,000 in today's money. Yeah, I'm actually quite interested as well in... Was it Maxwell Friedman, you said? Uh, William Friedman. William Friedman. William so he, Friedman. He cracked the the Japanese code yeah. that they used during a war. Yeah. During the war. So what was... Yeah, see, uh, uh, here in England we cracked the Enigma code okay. against the Germans, but the Americans cracked the Japanese code, which is called Purple. Oh, so would have that been written in, in just Japanese writing and things? Or was I that... guess so, yeah. It right, works for radio yeah. broadcasts, isn't it? So. Oh, okay. Ah. It kind of reminds me of like um, Morse code in a way as well. Because like Morse code, no, obviously they're completely different and you can work out Morse code. But the fact that someone kind of created a language using taps and dots uh, yeah, and things... Yeah. That that's kind of mysterious, even though there's a formula to it and stuff. But yeah. like, I wouldn't be able to hear Morse code and understand what they're saying. No, so, I wouldn't. Uh, I did learn a little bit of Morse code earlier mm. in my life, but I can't remember what all the letters mean now. So it's just it's very interesting. It's so mysterious. It is. It's it's an enig absolute enigma. This book should not exist mm. on this planet in this wow. day and age. And uh, yeah, I. Like I said, I was going to originally bundle this together with like a couple of other Enigma artifacts, you know, mm -hmm. mysterious artifacts. 
that I could bring up. But this just such an amazing story. I thought, well, I'll just yeah. do a podcast on this one. Yeah, and it still to this day is in that same place in the, yeah, the museum yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's it's now kept in like environmentally controlled environment, so it doesn't spoil and that sort of thing. Yeah, and they've um, given up on it now. I think they. I, well, I, I guess there's always probably going to be another team or you know mm. another expert that's going to have a crack at it. But all of these people in the last six hundred years have not been able to figure it out. And like I say, William Friedman, he claimed it could not be sold after forty years of trying it himself. Okay. Well, I'm I'm thinking tongues then. Tongues, yeah. yeah. But I also thought with tongues. That's the other thing. I always thought Tongues was, I don't know if it's horror films that have done that. I always associated them with demons and the devil. I didn't realise it was God as well as, like, the no, devil. It's God's language, yeah. Yeah, God's language. Wow. What an interesting so, thing. I mean, how do we rate this on the paranormality scale? Well, it's right up our street because it's it serious. It's a massive mystery. It shouldn't exist, but it does. Mm-hmm. You know, it's provable. It's an object, you, and and many people have studied it. Yeah, but I mean, such a code that can't be cracked by a team, a whole team of experts in forty years, plus everybody that tried it all through history. Yeah. There's two tracks of mind, isn't there? You either go down the route of oh, it's a load of rubbish, like you said, it's just a hoax. Therefore, rate it low. Or you go down the more superstitious kind of religious route, and you exactly. go, well, "Was it yeah. aliens? Was it?" Is, I mean, to, to be fair, like they always say that the Bible is God's instructions, or you mm. know, God is what God wanted to say as God's book. Maybe this one is even more so. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine if it is in tongues. It is in God's language. And they just can't work it out. But it's got all the secrets and answers yeah. to everything. Who knows? Anti-gravity. The explanation of gravity. The explanation of evolution might be in this book. We just don't know. Yeah. All of the secrets and mysteries of all time could be right there in, what did I say, 240 pages. Yeah, 240 pages, yeah. Wow, okay. Well, I'm going to give it. I quite like the story, so I'm going to give it quite a high one yeah medium to high it's very intriguing and i, I love the fact that it's so mysterious yeah. like there's there's so many questions with zero answers well that's it i, I just don't know how to answer the questions <laughs> you know what i'm i'm not even going to think too much about it i'm going in straight away 8.1 oh really yeah i'm going oh, crikey. In 8.1 i yeah. thought it'd be in the sevens no nah, no nah, i was thinking 7.8 but then i thought you know what I don't know when we're ever going to come across something this mysterious again. So I'm giving it 8.1. There's a couple of points, but I don't know, <laughs> maybe not quite this mysterious. This, this was going to be my like ending piece if I was going to do the, the, the several ones, but because it's such a massive story, I thought I'd just do this as a podcast. I'm going to go... You know what? I'm actually going to go 8.9 and... Okay. And then we can split the average right down the middle at eight point five, and I think that would be quite a nice. All right. Okay. Eight point five. Nice little riddle. for the uh, Venetian swells. <laughs> the Voynich manuscript. Oh yes. Yeah, Voynich. I'm not. Yeah, because yeah, obviously he was uh, Polish originally, so I'm not sure if it's pronounced Voynich 
or mm. Voynich. I say Voynich. Ah, the venison sandwich. The venison, <laughs> venison sandwich, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you've got a venison sandwich, write in. <laughs> well, I'll share some. <laughs> I love venison. If you've got a book that you can't translate, don't send it to us. <laughs> If you like books, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if yeah, if you know of a, another mysterious book or artifact that you think we should cover, it's probably already on our list. But you know, send in your ideas. Let us know. Paranormality.uk at gmail dot com is our email address. Uh, always, please do like and comment on the videos if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, TikTok and Instagram also you can find us send us a message if you want to do join our Discord we love more people on Discord we try and interact with with people on Discord all the time mm-hmm. and um, yeah uh, if you want to have a look at this for yourself Voynich Manuscript is spelt V-O-Y-N-I-C-H Manuscript and just <laughs> Have a look at the Google images and you will see exactly what this book looks like and how perplexing it is. And let us know your thoughts on that. Yeah. Also, leave us an Apple review because I know most people use Spotify. Yes, 70% of our audience is on Spotify and only about, well, it fluctuates between 9 and 13% on Apple. So if you do use Apple, please. Write us a little paragraph saying how much you like us or dislike us. I don't. Because all the other podcasts have them, and we've got one. And I'm like, <laughs> what's going on? At least two would be nice. <laughs> Spotify's doing quite well, isn't it? Is yeah, that, yeah, true. So Spotify's easier, isn't it? But yeah. But anyway, until next time, I've been Pirate. I'm Josh, and this has been Paranormality UK. Ta-ta. Ta-ta. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.